Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, Drava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies and on this episode, I will be flying solo, hopefully for the final time for a little while. Patrick Lines and I had a little bit of a cross-up, not unlike Tony Wolters earlier in the game, uh, really, and, and actually it was with the rest of the company and where we were going to get down there to do the DNVR bar. So this live post-game, just coming to you from my home while Patrick is down there at Coors Field doing the hard work of listening in to what it is Bud Black's got to say now, whoever's going to be available to him post game as the Colorado Rockies hang on to win seven to six over the San Francisco Giants on a day when they did not get especially good pitching which has been their calling card so far this season and they didn't get especially good defense which has been their other calling card so far this season carried to the win by some timely hits some big hits the first home run of the season for Nolan Arenado and you you've got to see that as a sign that he's more than likely about to get hot in fact again Let's take care of some business up front, do this right away because it's where we've got to start. And he really was, though it may not seem like it on the surface, your draft king of the game. Nolan Arenado with the big home run there. It was a momentum swing of massive proportions for him to hit a two-run home run. The Rockies had had almost no momentum going into the inning. Just, uh, I believe it was three hits up until that point. They're down 3-1. Not only that, they're not getting great pitching at all out of Chichi Gonzalez, obviously, and not feeling especially fantastic about the fact that they had to run out three guys in a row who have not yet pitched this season, but the offense was able to bounce back and actually do something that they really haven't had to do yet this year, which is come from behind, come from a multi-run deficit. Obviously the first game in Texas, you know, they, they could have, come from behind from one to nothing you would have liked to have seen them maybe do that and it never materialized but down three one then down four one to get that big two run jack that swings the momentum back in favor of the Rockies you feel like you've survived the storm of having to throw a couple of guys out there who are either cold or or maybe just don't don't have it it depends on how you feel I, I still think that there's a chance they get positive uh, value out of Chichi Gonzalez this year. Uh, he looked uh, mostly fine the first couple of innings. Really got away from him there in the third. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, I, I don't want to overanalyze. Maybe I do want to overanalyze his his exact pitch locations. I felt like the changeup he threw to Mike Yastrzemski was a pretty good pitch. It was below the zone. Uh, Yaz just went down there, golfed it out. That kid's been hot to start the season. It wasn't a terrible pitch. That said, he was piping a lot of fastballs this year, or not this year, that that inning, excuse me. Um, And... so he was getting hit hard as, as a result of it, and that's just what's going to happen. He was leaving pitches up. Uh, he wasn't hitting his locations. And that on top of the fact that I don't think Bud Black intended to throw him very long. Like I said, he'd gone, he'd been cold 
Uh, he hadn't thrown yet this year, not even out of the bullpen. It's tough to get in real work in the side session. So he wasn't going to go out and throw 80 pitches today, no matter what. So uh, to some degree, by design or, or by at least virtue of circumstance, the Colorado Rockies were going to have a bullpen day today. And that's why it was so important that when they were down early, Nolan Arenado was able to swing it back in their direction, get that momentum back with the two-run home run, his first of the year. I submit to you, it will not be his last. In fact, that seems to me like a pretty safe bet. In fact, I would be willing to say he's about to break out and get hot. So check your DraftKings Sportsbook app. You know you've got it downloaded. If you haven't yet, use that promo code DNVR because you can get an odds boost on 20 bucks up to uh, to win $100 on any team of your choosing. And you might want to take Nolan Arenado to get some hits or get some home runs or get some RBI here in the next couple of days. So, uh, and, and again, whether it's you're, you're taking the Rockies to win, you're taking individuals to do certain statistics things, Trevor Story scoring more runs out there for you. We picked that before the season. Keep an eye on that. Patrick even taking Trevor Story as a potential MVP candidate before the season. Keep your eye on that. All of these things, you can get a little skin in the game if you download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. And again, you use the promo code DNVR to boost your odds to $20 to win 100 bucks only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. DJ, yes, indeed. The Rockies keep bringing the boomsticks to the yard, and you are an, you are a fan of the winning life. That's right. The Colorado Rockies at 7-2 and two have matched the best start in the history of their franchise. Now, in any other year, that would be a, an interesting but largely meaningless statistic. Oh, well, seven and two. Okay, they did that. In fact, the, the year they did that before was 2015, a, a season in which I, I, I can't tell you what the – they finished well under 500. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that. I don't know what the final record was off of the top of my head. Uh, got some quotes even coming in here from our guy, Patrick Lyons, like I said, who is in on these post games. Arenado saying, I don't get started very well most seasons, and that, that's often been the case. It, it takes him a while to get going. I thought maybe because of circumstances, because of some of the offseason stuff he had said, because of just uh, sort of the nature of his personality and the fact that baseball had been taken away from him for a couple of months, I thought there was a chance he would buck that trend and just go wire to wire this season on basically a 60 game hot streak. Um, I think that might just start now. And honestly, like a, at least the last two games, Nolan had been hitting line drives into deep, deep parts of the yard, a couple of warning track outs. He had one early in this game where he had a screamer that was just right at Dickerson and right. So yeah, I, I think Nolan is about to, go off whatever whatever that means to you whatever your definition of that is so um henry coming in saying uh hopefully the bullpen will do a little better tomorrow that's the key to protecting the lead in the nl west division race gotta agree you know this this was a tough one for them philip deal making his first appearance of the game 
I keep messing up game and year. I don't know why I'm doing that. Just a weird brain thing that's happening right now. Just happy to have baseball back. That's all an everyday experience. I got to get back into the rhythms as well. Philip Deal made his first appearance of the season and at first looked pretty good. Ended up again giving up a home run on something that on a slider low that was not a terrible pitch left on left. Hung it a little bit more than he probably would have liked. And it looked like um, the the hitter shooting on forgetting who it was knew it was coming. It looked like uh, he was just sitting on the pitch. And so whether that's an issue with deception, whether that's an issue with being predictable, whether he's tipping his pitches, uh, there can be a, a couple of issues there. Why a guy would take such a confident go down and get it a uh, golf hack at a low breaking ball that was not, it didn't have bad break. It didn't hang too much, like a very little bit. And it was low in the zone. And so, uh, but there's still something there for, for deal to work on, whether it's adding a little bit of deception, making sure he's not tipping his pitches um, or that he's just not being too predictable with his sequencing. If the guy was just totally guessing slider, then it's going to be a little bit easier to throw that. And you've got to keep him honest with the fastball. Other than that, not a bad season debut for Philip deal and not a bad season debut for Jeff Hoffman either really came in, punched out the first two guys on some wicked curveballs. was dialing it up to 97 uh, you know, did get hit hard a couple of times, but still didn't give up any runs. And that's more or less what you want to see out of Jeff Hoffman. And actually, uh, according to these, uh, the hard hit statistics, he didn't get hit hard a couple of times. I thought some of the balls in play were were decent against him. But uh, according to StatCast, uh, Jeff Hoffman was the only Colorado Rockies pitcher who did not give up a hard hit ball today in 1.2 innings of work. Tyler Kinley uh, continues to throw just wicked, gnarly stuff. Uh, one inning, clean baseball. Didn't strike anybody out, but also didn't walk anybody. He did give up a hard hit ball, but was able to live through it. And once again, Carlos Estevez making an appearance. Uh, I don't know if Bud Black is just fully trusting in Carlos Estevez. I don't know if it's just that Estevez is extremely confident in, in the condition that he's in and his ability to be a workhorse for this team. Uh, if it was just, hey, look, it's an all-hands-on-deck kind of day. We'll get you a day off tomorrow. I can't imagine Estevez after throwing roughly 300 pitches on Sunday and then going back out there again tonight uh, is going to be available on Tuesday, but uh, managed to weather giving up a base hit that uh, just an infield hit on a little bit of a, a sloppy play there that usually you see Nolan Arenado make and he got a strikeout. He gave up one hard hit screaming line drive right back up the middle, sort of a, a karmic balance, right? The, the one grounder not going to go as a hit more often than not that hard liner might. So, uh, he lived with it. And we'll talk about the ninth here in just a minute. We'll, we'll leave that for, for just a bit as it's time to crack open a Breck broom. It is that time. You know it is that time. Wish you were down there at the bar. Uh, hopefully you are down there at the bar. Maybe you're even watching and listening in. And you know that the second best place to get it is the bar. That's the second best place because the best place to get it is down at the farmhouse, you call them up at 303, whoop, 
I, I moved off of it. 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. And you use code DNVR to save five bucks off your drink and your food. Um, Kevin just coming in to say, hey, Drew, crazy baseball game tonight, but take the W every day. That's right. We're going to nitpick here in just a minute, but you have got to take those W's. Sean coming in, loving these rocks. Why wouldn't you be? It's a pretty good time to be a Colorado Rockies fan. Uh, and not just that, Christopher pointing out, between the Avs, Nuggets, and Rockies, I'm feeling some strong mile-high magic this month. How about the end of that Avs game? That was absolutely insane. If, just if you're a sports fan, anytime somebody scores the game winner with .1 left or in our sport, down to two strikes in the bottom of the ninth. You're down to your last possible chance, and you get that win. Um, but I'm sure if AJ was here, he would tell you even point one's crazier than you know two strikes bottom of the ninth. That was absolutely amazing stuff. And then, yeah, the Nuggets getting a big win this afternoon. What a time to be a Colorado sports fan. And, um, you know, David coming up saying, no, with the D-backs of old, I remember Goldie and Lamb eating up Coors Field was Owings much of a Coors killer or anything near Kemp's legend. I don't remember him being a Coors killer in particular. I'll have to look that up. That'll be really interesting. I do remember that he had an inordinate number of home runs against the Rockies, so it would certainly follow that some of those probably came at Coors Field. But I'll tell you what, David, I... I don't know what's going on. And Chris, and it turns out Chris Owings late home run for insurance there in the eighth inning ended up being the game winner. They needed that as we'll get to the Diaz thing, but wow. Um, this is when, you know, things are starting to really just click for your team because Owings is not here to deliver offense. We've talked about this. We've talked about it a lot, but, Bud Black rode the hot hand because he delivered four hits in two games against the Padres. And, you know, that, that ended up being really important. So you ride the hot hand in a season like this when a guy's hitting, when you know his defense and base running ability is going to be well above average, you keep putting him in there until he stops hitting. And I wouldn't be surprised, and you shouldn't be surprised, to see him back out there again tomorrow. Uh, you know, you worry about some guys starting to get cold. You, you got to shuffle guys in and out and, and make the most of it. But Chris Owings is hitting the baseball, man. He's just, he's lining it up. I don't know what to tell you. I've, I didn't watch him that closely when he was a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I looked at the numbers on the papers and it said, he's, he's bad. Okay. Will looking it up for me. So I don't even have to do it after the show coming in and saying prior to tonight, Chris Owings had a 996 OPS at Coors in 139 plate appearances. That's not nothing. That's that. Okay. The Colorado Rockies front office appears to have found a particular market inefficiency or a particular thing that that might, it's not a market inefficiency because nobody else plays at Coors Field. That's the wrong phrase. Um, this is interesting, right? Matt Kemp, we knew. We knew day one. I, I don't know if you guys saw the way the internet melted down, but those of you that listen to the podcast and read the articles and, and follow us here at DNVR, you knew exactly what the Matt Kemp thing was about. And he came through again today 
with the game tying run uh, right after Nolan Arenado had hit the the two run homer. He brought in Ryan McMahon, who, while he did strike out three times today, huge, huge triple. Maybe could have been caught by Dickerson and Wright, who also did not have the best day out there, making a key, weird throwing error play thingy. I'm not quite sure I would define it. He threw it to nobody. I'm not sure I've ever seen that happen before, where an outfielder just throws the baseball into space on the infield. That was That was new. That was a new thing. But Kemp was here because he rakes at Coors and he rakes against lefties. And what did he do to drive in the game-tying run after that McMahon triple off of Dickerson's head and hand and and the wall and all that stuff? A little base hit to left field at Coors Field against a lefty. And he's putting up fantastic numbers so far this season. And again, in any other year, you're tempted to go small sample size, whatever, but He's leading the team in OPS, and he didn't play in all the early games. But with a 356 batting average, the slugging up there, another base hit, a run scored in an RBI today, he has been, by rate, one of the better players in the Colorado Rockies offense. And I think I mentioned it yesterday that one of my bold predictions before the season was that he might finish top four on the team in home runs, and that doesn't even feel all that bold right now. He just looks locked in at the plate. He's taking good at bats. He's getting good results. He's hitting the ball hard. And yeah, that you're going to, you're going to get hits and you're going to get home runs when you do that. And I think he's going to be able to continue to for at least, you know, several more weeks into the season. And, and even if he tapers off by the end of the year because of age or, or whatever it may be, all of this is extraordinary value that you're getting out of this guy in the shortened season. And the thing, same thing could be said for Chris Owings, who I don't necessarily expect it to continue for as much, but this Coors Field, you know, it, and, and of course a lot of guys hit well at Coors Field, but if you've got a particular ability, if there's something about, you know, Owings not striking out much, putting the ball in play, maybe not, you know, in ways that played as well in other ballparks, but this is going to, you're going to have a very, very fun end to your summer. If Chris Owings is going to contribute on offense. And so we move now. Let's do this here. I'm sandwiching it in here at this point to the uncomfortable part of the conversation. Jairo Diaz, what happened here in the ninth inning? How concerned should you be? Well, some what happened was a result of his pitches not being as sharp as they have been so far this season make no mistake about it some of it was bad luck uh certainly the ryan mcmahon error at second base tough play there mcmahon did a good job to knock that ball down and you can't fault him for not fielding it cleanly that ball was hit 104 miles an hour off the bat uh, but he rushed that throw. Absolutely no no need to rush the throw. One of the things my father used to say to me over and over again, this was a thing just in our family, we would always say, you've always got time to make a good throw. And right there, Ryan McMahon had plenty of time in the world to come up, collect himself, throw nice and strong to first base. Didn't do that. Panicked a little bit. Uh, fired high. 
created a real tough situation there for Jairo Diaz with the runner at second representing the tying run. But he stayed calm. He got his final two outs, and he didn't end up blowing the save. So while he gives up the run, and he did give up several uh, hard-hit balls. Let me double-check here. Yeah, four of them. You don't like seeing that. Four hard-hit balls. And the, the slider was just hanging up tonight. It, it just, it's just it been a nearly unhittable pitch for most of the season, and he's used his fastball as you know, kind of a show-me pitch, which is odd, but it, it it's how he works. He works off of his slider, and it was hanging on him tonight. It was betraying him, and he went to the fastball. In fact, he got the final two outs of the game that he got on his fastball, which he can dial up to 96. He's just not as reliable with his location as he'd like for it to, to maybe be. He really trusts in his ability to get swings and misses with the slider and for his ability to locate it. But Jake is absolutely right here when he says, I'll take Hyro's velocity over Wade's finesse any day in a save situation. And that's what it was, right? Well, you basically have is two elite tools you can go to if you're Jairo Diaz in that situation where Davis has lost all of his velocity. The closest thing that Wade Davis has to an elite tool now is the break on his knuckle curveball, and he's had a hard time throwing it for a strike, which makes it much less of a useful tool. Jairo Diaz has a slider that moves three times on its way to the plate and a fastball that he can dial up to 96 miles an hour. And it's very tough to contend with both of those. And the Giants went out there with the strategy very clearly to wait back on the slider and hope that he hung a couple of them. And he did. The The first hit in particular, the double off of the wall by, let me see if I can find it. It was Solano. No, 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 nope. Flores. Wilmer Flores hit the double off of the wall. Uh, that was a particularly bad pitch, and, and he got tighter and tighter from there. But that, like I said, the slider was just hanging up on him a little bit. But you can go to that fastball, and that's why I think despite as intense as this got, as nervous as I'm sure you were, um, as much as I'm sure some people out there probably thought, this is it. They're going to blow it. It's just the the Rockies bullpen. Here we go again, right, no matter who it is. Um, But there was a key difference here. It wasn't just, well, you you do that another time. You're going to blow the save. He got a little bit lucky not to. He made an adjustment out there on the mound. He and Tony Walters, presumably, start going to the fastball a bit more. They're sitting on that slider. And even though I know you think you can still get them to swing and miss at it if they're sitting on it, it's not locating. Let's go to the fastball. And those two tools are why he was able to get out of that situation and why I think he will continue to be sort of the de facto closer moving forward here as we're still, you know, I have no idea really um, what they're going to do there. Uh, They haven't committed to anything in, in particular with Davis on the IL and Oberg presumably out, I don't know, for the season, but potentially out for the season, at least out for 45 days. And... I think Diaz is just going to have to be the guy and and you're going to have to live with a little bit of that cardiac experience, right? He's, he's going to walk guys sometimes uh, because his pitches come in so hard and with so much bite when he misses location, he's going to get hit hard sometimes. And you, you saw that 
tonight, and that's going to be part of the experience. But Tim may be also right that Hyro's superpower is to get to the brink and then find a way out. There is absolutely a skill to that. In fact, uh, most of the best Rockies relievers in history, that has been the case. Brian Fuentes, uh, Adam Adovino, that was the case, you know. Rafael Betancourt didn't give up a ton of walks, but he he would give up the singles. He had, you know, high whip in that way. Manny Corpus, one of the very few guys who the Rockies ever had as a closer. In fact, I when we were going back, you know, during the lockdown and we had time to look at history of stuff and I was going through certain numbers, uh, you've basically got guys in 95, um, Steve Reed, and now I'm going to forget the other one. Somebody help me out in the comments. Um David, you're right. Houston Street was the next closest after Corpus. And and Street gave up some, like base hits, right? But he didn't give up homers and he didn't blow any saves. He blew, I think, two in all of 2009. Manny Corpus was the only one they ever had, though, who would come in, strike out two guys, almost never walked anybody, was very difficult to get a hit against. I think he gave up two home runs all year or something like that. Like Manny Corpus, the closest they've ever had to just a season of absolute domination out of the bullpen. Will thrown Jose Jimenez at me. That would have been what, 2000, 2001? I'd have to go back and, and check on that one. Um, but still, you know, I, I don't think the Rockies have that guy. Maybe Diaz could become that guy, but he's the guy who's closest to having that kind of stuff. And much like a Brian Fuentes, I think he's going to be able to continue to find ways to work out of it. He's going to blow some here and there. It's going to happen. At least he's going to give up runs. I guess you can go 60 games without blowing a save, so I shouldn't say that necessarily. We'll see. <clears throat> you know, Estevez appears to have carved out a different role where I don't think Buddy wants him to be the closer if he's going to pitch every single day of the season and need to be employed as he was in the rubber match clincher against the Padres in that settle things down. If the other relievers are given stuff up or come into the tough situation, come into the bases loaded, nobody out or that it was two out situation, but still whatever did, that's what you know, he's the fireman, right? And that's where Esteva is going to be. So I think Diaz is your closer moving forward. You would have liked to see the first time out, <clears throat> excuse me, after that's the case, uh, a little smoother than than he had tonight. But all that said, you know, he, he still hasn't blown a game. He still hasn't given up a lead. And there is something to the calmness of the way he pitches with a guy at third representing that blown save or the guy at second, or with everything else going on in that inning, and where it might feel inevitable that other guys are going to cave in and give that up. Um, and David, I was surprised at that too, that Yancy Almonte was up, which was very interesting. Um, sent a little bit of a message too, I think, to Hiro. Like, this job is not just yours. Like, And, and the other thing too that I think is if Hiro gives up the single there, that that ties the game, but he's not going to make the same mistake that he did in the home opener with Davis and leave Hyro out there to clean up 
that mess. I think if he goes forward and blows the save, but it's still tied, Almonte is going to come into the game so that they can try to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. Basically, because here the Colorado Rockies stole this win, right? It, you can you can be very frustrated at the at the ninth, and, and you should be, and it was intense, and part of you is just going, come on, man. Every one of them? But the Rockies stole this. They started Chichi Gonzalez, who was only able to go three innings and served up a couple of just whammies, right? They threw three guys who've not yet pitched this season and one guy who's pitched in every game this season. They got the worst outing yet out of Jairo Diaz, who's been their setup man all, all year and has just been thrust into the closer role. But their superstar third baseman showed up and did a superstar thing. Right? Trevor Story made another stupendous defensive play early on that probably took a run, maybe two off the board for the Giants. That ended up being a massive key, right? Dude, Dude's going for that gold glove this year. And again, MVP. And Kevin, you're you're totally right. He says, truly think it was crushing news for Buddy and uh, with the Oberg news, just brutal loss for the bullpen for all those guys. They're very close with Scott too, and he's the team representative. Everybody on the team is close with Scott. If they've got an issue, and they want something, you know, with their agent or with their management, to, they want to go through the union. They they, they want to make sure their contracts being taken care of. They want some advice about you know where to move, where to live, where to invest. They go to Scott Oberg. And also, he's just a great guy, and he's really easy to talk to. I, I know that personally. And so, yeah, it, it was brutal news for the team, and I think, you know, the fact that the bullpen, <clears throat> they were almost the story of the game with with their strength, with the way Deal came on, and like I said, gave up the one, but other than that was fine. Hoffman's great. Another great story. Uh, stuff, uh, another stuff, another great stuff from Kinley. You heard me. I said it. It is his stuff. He's throwing 97, and that slider moves so much. So, another great stuff for Kinley. Put that on a shirt, Eric. I dare you. Carlos Estevez, again, we've talked about it. So, they're the story of the game. If Diaz just totally slams the door shut, though, he doesn't. And it's hard to say, well, you know, Rocky's bullpen story of the game because they almost blew it there at the end they you know ball in the dirt and he's done blowing it that said i think they're going to rally around this i think they're going to figure it out i think the guy the kinleys and the bards and the almontes they're all going to step up i think diaz is going to get it locked in and i also think he realizes this is an opportunity here to prove that he can be a closer in this game and let's understand this too it's very difficult to make big MLB money. Like, he's a rookie contract reliever. He's not making that much money. And if he wants to get any kind of deal in the big leagues, and they all do, you know, being a closer is the way to get it. Getting saves on your resume is a great way to start earning yourself a future contract. And so Diaz has an opportunity to take that slider that is absolutely absurd and to take that fastball that can dial up to 97 and make himself potential future out of it 
Going to be really interesting to see how Jairo Diaz handles this, but I'm taking the over. Whatever the whatever the DraftKings sportsbook odds are on on Jairo Diaz, <clears throat> I'm taking the over. Got I'm not sure how to to say the the handle here. It's a little. I, I'll just read. I guess it's a little too much. A little too late. Again, writes Rockies are finding ways to win. This team seems special. Also, how many asses has Story saved? Wow, Story is in the business of ass saving. He is an ass saver, and he has saved many an ass, and has done incredibly well. He's just been spectacular. That play today, going across his body and throwing over to third, the only play that he had, that was absolutely incredible. So I do want to remind everybody to check out our friends over at WGT Golf. DNVRGolf.com is where you download it totally for free on your laptop or on your phone. It's super fun. We're playing it all the time here at the DNVR offices with the people in the DNVR community. You can join now the third country club. It's been so popular. That's how many people we've had to make a third country club. That's why you got to know it's just too much fun to miss out on, especially because if I mentioned it's free, you can play closest to the stroke. Nope, those two things are different things. I'm switching stuff up today. Closest to the hole or full stroke play. You can't combine the two. I don't think they will let you do that. They're very different games. But you can also do it at world-famous golf courses, including St. Andrews and Bethpage Black. Check it out again totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. Wanted to take this last couple of moments here uh, to take a look forward. The Giants, by the way, still have not announced any of their starters for the rest of the series. So uh, there's only so much predicting I can do here. Uh, But I was saying on yesterday's podcast, for those of you that are regular listeners, that this was the trap game, that the Rockies should go three and one in this series. It's tough to ever predict a four game sweep, though the Giants are the inferior talented baseball team the Rockies should at least win three and one in this series right and this first game was the one that I had kind of earmarked as the at the time I didn't even know who's going to start and then they said Chi Chi and it's like well he hasn't gone all year who knows what they're gonna have to do with the bullpen all the things and this was even you know before or it might have been after the Oberg Davis stuff but who knows either way you knew that this was the uphill battle to climb Johnny Cueto is not what he once was but he's still uh, a very good pitcher. He's a smart pitcher. Uh, he pounded the zone today after the Rockies drove up the pitch count in the first inning and managed to have a very nice showing of himself. And you just don't expect with the experience and the success that Johnny Cueto has had in this league for Chichi Gonzalez to go out there and outduel him. And so this was the game you figure they're probably going to drop this one. And they stole it. Um, now, that's not that... Now I expect the Colorado Rockies to go out there and have this four-game sweep, but I will say it does line up for them very nicely that after stealing this game, they get to turn around and hand the ball to Herman Marquez, who is making his third start of the year with a 154 ERA and will probably now be ready. Um, He's been on five days rest. In fact, I think he's been on six days rest, if I'm not mistaken. And I wouldn't be surprised, especially if he's pitching well and efficiently uh, with the way the bullpen has been used lately and with the way the bullpen is just kind of pitched lately. If Marquez is cooking, you let him go seven, eight, Obviously, you'd love for a guy to be able to go nine anytime, but if you can get 
an extra inning, maybe two out of Marquez. I think that would be really good. And that answers the question coming in here from David asking about whether or not um, this did or didn't tax the bullpen. You're saying you're feeling mostly fine with it. Yeah, they didn't throw a ton of pitches. But again, for the you know three more games here, you don't want that to get out of control. You want to be able to make sure uh, that you have these guys available and you, you don't want to have to go to Estevez and Diaz every single night. You want to find one of these other guys that can be more reliable. Looks like Kinley is starting to emerge as somebody who I think uh, Bud Black is going to continue to trust. But as long as sending Herman Marquez to the mound against this Giants team that really has one hot hitter in the lineup and Mike Yastrzemski, the rest of them are guys that Marquez really ought to be able to handle if he's got his A stuff. We know this is a squad that he was able to pitch a complete game shutout against in San Francisco not that long ago. Yes, different environment, but Marquez is also, I think, ready to come out and prove that Yes, he's, he belongs in that Cy Young conversation. He's going to come out, get a ton of strikeouts, double-check where the DraftKings Sportsbook app, they've been having him at 5.5, and that's an easy over every time out for Herman Marquez. If they bumped it up to 6.5, I might still take the for Marquez in that strikeout category against the Giants here on uh, Tuesday, first pitch at 6.40 Mountain Time. And if the Colorado Rockies offense is going to get into a rhythm here, like I said, I think Nolan's heating up. It's going to be really interesting to see what this Owings cat has to deliver. You better believe Matt Kemp is your DH at Coors Field until further notice. Somebody asked me this question, too, about um, Owings. They said, it's going to be tough to get him out of the lineup now. And I said, yeah, until he stops it. You don't, you know, until he stops, leave him in there. You can handle one game if he goes out there, especially with the guys you do have on the bench and with the bullpen rules and the way things go. You know, if, if Owings goes out there and he goes over three, three strikeouts in the next game, and then they bring in a righty who throws 99 out of the bullpen, the Giants don't have that guy, but stick with me in theoretical land for a minute. And then you go, you know what? I'm going to bring in Hilliard in case that dude leaves 99 over the heart of the plate and Hilliard just runs into it and hits it into the third deck. Uh, in this particular at bat, you can, especially if he's playing out there in left field, it's a very, very easy thing to do. So there's really less harm uh, than even before with the extra guys you've got on your bench and just running Chris Owings or anybody who's hitting hot Matt Kemp. That's not even a question at DH. That's, not, that's just not a question at this point. Um, you know, I, I understand some of the concerns about McMahon, three more strikeouts, but you give me three strikeouts and one ball at 106 miles an hour off you know into the gap or off the wall or at times over it um i'm still gonna take that i don't think he's gonna make too many of those types of mistakes at second base he was really really good defensively last year that mistake wasn't uh one of ability or skill it was as much a, a rush uh, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a mental error like like forgetting to throw to the right base or something like that. Like when we saw Nolan Arenado throw home when there were two outs in that game, that's a mental error. This would be, um, I don't know, we need another category for this. It's He, he rushed himself. It was an anxiety error um, that, I, that I just don't think he's going to make all that often. He's typically pretty good at playing calm, cool, and, and collected. So... Yeah, that's all I've got on that day, this game. And, and tomorrow, we got John Gray and Kyle Freeland. After that, as the Colorado Rockies may have an opportunity here to get a sweep of a divisional opponent 
and end up putting together an incredibly impressive homestand before going out on the road to face the Seattle Mariners. You know how the Colorado Rockies are always going to Seattle to play the Mariners. Uh, thank you all so much for listening into this episode of the podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed to the dnvr.com. You're reading all of those articles, all that exclusive content posted right there for you that you're following on the social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at dnvr underscore Rockies. Uh, uh, give, give Michaela Perkins a follow as well. She's new to the team. She's going to be joining us for more baseball chat over the coming days and weeks as we continue to cover your first place 7-2 and two Colorado Rockies. How about that? Thank you all for continuing to stay absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to stay absolutely true, Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. 